0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com What do you delight in? um, Or what delights you most? Uh, Now I'll give you a definition of the word um, delight to help unpack this question. So delight means to please greatly or to please someone greatly, to bring great pleasure. So again, what do you delight in? Um, So maybe it's family and friends, um, to be in the company of someone you love, to have a good laugh together, uh, maybe sit around a fire pit in an evening and chat or catch up over a coffee. Um, Maybe you delight in food. Um, For me, you can't... Oh, we haven't got the... Oh, we have. There we go. For me, you can't beat a Sunday roast dinner. Um, All the trimmings, thick gravy. Um, And apologies if I'm starting to make people feel hungry here. Um, Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe you delight in entertainment. uh, To enjoy a good film at the cinema or to get lost in a book um, or listening to a beautiful piece of live music. Um, Me and David Roberts actually went to watch Star Wars Manchester Arena a few years ago Um, but it was with a live orchestra playing the musical score behind the film Um, and it was amazing it was really great Um, and normally when a film finishes and the credits come up everyone leaves the cinema immediately but everyone was glued to their seat they didn't move a muscle um, because we delighted in 10 minutes of John Williams magic at the end Um, maybe you delight in resting or relaxing just sitting and being soaking in the sunshine Um, or having a good afternoon nap. Um, For me, I delight in a good walk in beautiful scenery. Here is a picture um, of Buttermere, a walk we did in the Lake District recently. Um, But I delight not just in a good walk, but that feeling when you finish a walk and you take off your boots and your socks. That is a good feeling. Um, Probably not delightful for anyone who's in close proximity at the time. Um, But to top it off, Not just that, but then if you have the opportunity to dip your feet into a lake or walk in the sea or something, you can't deny that feels good. But how many of you would say that you delight in this book, the Bible? Would you place this book in the category of things that you delight in? So I want to spend a bit of time pondering that question this morning. Um, So we're going to continue our summer preaching series in the Psalms today, um, where each week a preacher is unpacking a psalm of their choice, Um, and this week I've chosen Psalm 1, with a preach I've entitled, Rooted in the Right Stuff. Now I know you may be thinking, I've not put much thought into my favourite psalm here, 150 to choose from, and I've opened up the book, and I've gone for the first one, and thought, "Yep, that will do. Um, But I want to reassure you that actually that is not the case. So in fact, um, I really feel that God um, placed this psalm on my heart at the start of the year, um, actually... Um, I was going to try and weave it into a preach that I did in January, um, because I felt it was important not just for me, but for our church family. Um, but decided to hold fire at the time, actually not knowing that we were going to be doing this preaching series. So I am, I'm really excited for what God wants us to teach us from this passage this morning. Um, and my prayer is that your hearts and my heart would be open um, to both God's encouragement and challenge today. So let's dive into our passage Um, So the Psalms are helpfully located kind of near enough in the middle of your Bible. So if you don't quite know how to get there, aim for the middle and you won't be too far off. Um, We're going to read Psalm 1. Feel free to follow in your Bibles or the verses will appear on the screen behind me. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So I want to look at three points this morning from the passage. And that is that we are to be set apart. That we are to delight in the word and that we need to be planted. So firstly, to be set apart. Our passage this morning starts by saying, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one. The word blessed here refers to what people would say to express how desirable and good it is when someone experiences God's favour and abundance in their lives. And we read in these verses that this blessed or good life results from three choices a person makes. One who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And notice there's a progression here from walking to standing and then to sitting. It's actually like a negative form of progression. Progressing from movement to becoming stationary or becoming stuck. So let's look at each of these in turn very briefly um, so we can reflect on them a bit more together. So firstly, do not walk in step with the wicked. Or another translation says, do not follow the advice of the wicked. So who do you turn to for advice? When you've got a problem or you aren't sure what to do or how to react in a certain situation, who do you turn to? Do you listen to that voice inside your head or do you seek out people that you know will tell you what you want to hear? that you deserve to get your own back, that you should just keep that money that isn't yours, um, that nobody will find out or get hurt, so it doesn't really matter? Or do you seek wise, godly counsel, advice from someone who will push you to be more like Jesus, who will keep you accountable in your actions, who will be honest enough to tell you if you are wrong and need to apologise or change direction in your life? Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. And ultimately, the wisest counsel comes from God Himself in His Word. We should consult the Bible and continually come back to Scripture to test our own hearts and decisions. Secondly, it says, Do not stand in the way that sinners take. In whose company are you spending most of your time? And what influence are they having on you and how you live your life? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Let me ask you, does your language change based on who you are with? Are you more likely to swear around work colleagues or more tempted to have that extra drink with friends if you know you aren't in the company of other Christians? Our friends and those uh, we choose to hang out with can have a profound influence on us often Um, in subtle ways. Now, I'm not saying that we need to ditch all our non-Christian friends and just hang out with church folk. Um, Definitely not. We read um, clearly um, in the Bible that Jesus hung out with all people. Um, Prostitutes, rich, corrupt tax collectors, the outcasts in society, those who were sick. He attended parties, weddings. He invited himself to people's houses for dinner. Um, When the religious leaders questioned why Jesus was eating and drinking with sinners, his response was, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. But those who are ill, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We absolutely need to be meeting with friends who haven't yet made a choice to follow Jesus. But the difference with Jesus was that he was set apart. He entered into these social events without being influenced. If you'd been around him, you'd have seen that his character or his language or his personality didn't change in each of these situations. We are called to be in the world, to love our neighbours as ourselves, to come alongside those who don't know Jesus, but not be of the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. And there is a difference between being with those who aren't living in obedience to God and standing in the way they take, joining in and following them. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The message paraphrase paraphrase says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. It means, yes, going out for drinks with colleagues or friends to get to know them and love them well. But it also means not getting drunk with them, not using bad language or being tempted to laugh at or tell an inappropriate joke. To not adjust to the culture around us to fit in it means choosing not to watch a certain tv program that contains extreme violence or excessive swearing or lots of sex or nudity just because all your friends are watching it i think it can also be really subtle things as well that you just need to keep in check when you spend time with others so for example um i've got two very close mates um, who have very good jobs and earn a lot of money Um, and after hanging out with them maybe for a weekend, I often need to check my heart to make sure I'm not getting envious of their nice cars or their big houses um, or start placing a high value on like earthly possessions and material things. As I said, it's subtle, but it's still important to bring it to God um, in that situation to count my blessings and refocus on contentment and generosity. And before moving on, I feel like I also need to say that there are there may well be relationships that, you are have, that are having an obvious negative influence on you. Maybe there are friendships that you need to distance yourself from or people you need to spend less time with because they are pulling you away from God or causing you to disobey him. And finally, do not sit in the company of or join in with mockers. Are you tempted to join in with friends if they mock other people or dare I say even mock the Christian faith? Or do you take a stand against things like gossip and choose to stand up for people that they may be slandering or teasing, even if that might make you unpopular? Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16 says, "You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a, light, a lamp Start again, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's be set apart in this world. In it, yes, but set apart and not stuck in unhealthy or ungodly patterns of behaviour or relationships. Let your light shine before others. So, delight in the word. So, verse 2 of our passage continues. But, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law, day and night. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So, what is this passage referring to when it says, law of the Lord? It is uh, simply meaning the Bible. Blessed is the one who delights in God's word. So, back to my challenge at the start of this preach. Do you delight in In the Bible. Now, before we delve further into that, let me give you um, a bit more information about this book. Um, It's often referred to as the Holy Bible. Holy meaning sacred, um, and Bible comes from the Greek biblia, which means books. So these are a collection of sacred books, 66 of them to be exact, divided into two testaments, the Old and the New. It was written by more than 40 human authors over a period of 1500 years. Um, But God was the architect. He inspired it. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All scripture is inspired or breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, And the Bible is actually the best-selling book of all time. Um, According to the Guinness World Records, as of 1995 it is estimated that 5 billion copies have been sold and distributed worldwide. And when Queen Elizabeth II was presented with a Bible at her coronation in 1953, these words were spoken to her. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing the world affords. Now think about this for a minute. I think I've got a picture, there you go. She's just been presented with the crown jewels, like jewels that need incredible security because of their value and their worth. And yet it was the Bible that was recognised as the most valuable thing the world affords. And Nicky Gumbel, founder of the Alpha Course and Holy Trinity Brompton, kind of a big church down in London, um, wrote about a trip to Russia he went on a while ago to visit Christians who were being persecuted and to sneak Bibles to them, undercover because the government wouldn't allow them in the country. And he writes, "'On one occasion I followed a man down the street after a service,' Glancing round to check no one was there, I went up to him and tapped him on the shoulder. I took out one of my Bibles and handed it to him. For a moment, he had an expression of disbelief. Then he took from his pocket a New Testament, which was probably a hundred years old. The pages so threadbare, they were virtually transparent. When he realised he had received a whole Bible, he was elated. He didn't speak any English, I didn't speak any Russian, but we hugged each other and started dancing up and down the street, jumping for joy. That man knew that he had in his hands something truly unique and invaluable. So why aren't we like that Russian Christian who was handed a Bible and jumped for joy in the street? Why don't we treat our Bibles as more valuable than the crown jewels? Why are our Bibles often left in the drawer collecting dust? Why do we find it difficult? to delight in God's word. So imagine there are various answers to those questions. If we're honest, I think a lot of us would say that reading the Bible feels like hard work. um, And there are lots of other things we'd rather be doing with our time. Perhaps we find certain passages in the Bible confusing or boring. Perhaps we are too busy. Um, Or we always feel too tired when we come to read it or we get distracted too easily. But this psalm reminds us that blessed is the one who delights in the word of God. And I know certainly I want to be blessed and I want blessings for all of you as well. So how can we learn to delight more in the Bible and what does that look like? So I think the key is delighting in Jesus. You see, the Bible is made up of lots of books, but together they form one story, a story of God's love for each and every one of us, how he pursues us, So much that he was willing to give his one and only son, Jesus, to die on our behalf so that we could have eternal life with him. This whole book points to him, our Lord and Saviour. And I believe when we grasp that and really grasp that, God's overwhelming and unending love for us and start delighting in the one that Bible is about, naturally it will lead us to delight in his word. The Bible points us to Jesus, teaches us the best way to live our lives, And it was also one of the ways that God talks to us. Maybe you've experienced it yourself at a time when you've been reading the Bible and it speaks directly into a circumstance you're facing and brings peace or wisdom or challenge or encouragement. And verse two tells us we are to meditate on God's word day and night. Now meditation here is not referring to kind of our world's view of meditation to kind of maybe sit around with your legs crossed with incense lit and ocean waves in the background and trying to clear everything out of your mind. Now this reference to meditation means to bring to mind God's word, to reflect it, to reflect on it. The message paraphrase says to chew on scripture. So imagine chewing on your favorite food, savoring every flavor and richness. It means to spend time reading and thinking about what you've read. It means asking yourself how you will change so you can live as God wants. James one to 22-25 says, Do not merely l- listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets <laughs> what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed. In what they do, we should find ways to engage with His Word at the start of every day and remind ourselves of and be exposed to His Word throughout the day. But not just to acquire more head knowledge, but to be transformed by what we read and live it out. So, what next step could you take to spend more time meditating on God's Word throughout your day? And this will look different for everyone. So I've tried to come up with kind of a range of ideas. Feel free to take them or leave them, um, but they are things that I found helpful in different seasons. But before I run through this, this list, I just want to say that delighting in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean reading your Bible more. You could read your Bible for three hours a day and still not delight in it. But if you aren't reading your Bible at all at the moment, or you know deep down you aren't giving it much attention, then for you, delighting may mean reading it more than you currently are. My hope is that something on this list helps every one of us to engage with the Bible in a new way. So, first of all, maybe work through um, a gospel. So, as I said, first we need to delight in Jesus, and the gospels are a great place to start to read about Him, what He was like, what He did, what He taught. Um, I recently reread the, the Gospel of Luke, but reread it slowly, trying to read it with fresh eyes, coming coming to it again, um, and was really refreshed and also quite challenged. Um, just to spend time reflecting on Jesus, his character, his teachings. Um, so I've actually got um, two copies. So I've got a copy of the Gospel of Luke, a copy of the Gospel of Mark. Um, if you want to take one of these at the end, feel free to take one. Um, I prefer paper copies because I get distracted by my phone. Um, but if you're on your commute or you're going out, they're a handy little size just to take with you. So if you want one of those, please take them at the end. Um, You could download the Bible app on your phone if you don't have it already. Um, You can actually set it to give you a notification of the verse of the day um, each morning. So I've got my phone to send me a message at 7.30 each morning with the verse of the day. Um, I just find it really helpful to get that prompt to reflect on his word as I begin my day. Um, Daily Bible reading notes. um, There are many options available out there. Come and have a chat to me afterwards if you want to talk about different ones. Um, they normally all consist of a very similar format. There's a, a, a short Bible passage, followed by some commentary, um, some questions to think about, and a prayer. They normally take about 10 to 15 minutes to work through. Um, and again, I've got some copies actually that Nikki got through the post some Every Day with Jesus. Um, I think there's 30, 30 days Bible reading notes. Again, if they would be helpful, please take some at the end. Um, I've also got a book by Timothy Keller, um, which has 365 daily devotionals based on the Psalms. Um, Again, feel free to take this. It's free to anyone who wants it um, that might be helpful for them. The Lectio 365 app, we've mentioned it a few times in church before. Um, So I found this really helpful to just focus my thoughts whilst trying to meditate. Um, Again, it takes roughly 10 minutes. There's a morning and an evening um, kind of devotional to work through. It's completely free, the app. Um, I particularly enjoy... The, the evening meditations. Um, I just find it a great way to process my day with God before going to sleep. Um, the Bible in One Year. So this does take longer each day, but it leads you through the entire Bible. You get um, a passage from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and a Psalm or Proverb. Um, there's a free app that you can download, which tracks your progress and it gives you some helpful commentary, again by Nicky Gumbel and his wife. Um, but again, because I like paper copies, I have a paper copy of the Bible in One Year. Um, so you don't get distracted by your phone. Again, if, anyone, if this is helpful for anyone, then please take it at the end. Um, I'll leave it on the side here. Um, maybe use a different Bible translation. If you spent a lot of time reading the Bible, maybe from the NIV translation, why not try reading it um, from the English Standard Version or another one? It might bring kind of a freshness to familiar verses. Um, try an audio Bible. So this has been a game-changer for me. Um, so when I commute on the bus or the train, I can't spend more than two seconds looking at anything without getting sick. So being able to hear the Bible and get someone to speak the Bible is, is brilliant. Um, certainly something I'm currently using is um, a Bible tracker app on my phone, um, just to track what, what chapters I'm reading. Um, with the aim of reading the entire Bible, But I just feel it gives me a bit more flexibility. Some days I can choose which passages or which books that I want to read from, Um, Some days I might just read one chapter, some days I might want to read a few more chapters. So I just feel it gives a bit more flexibility. Um, How can you make Bible verses more visible to you day to day? Um, Maybe you can change the background of your phone um, to a Bible verse. I know Cody, actually, if you haven't got a background screensaver and you would like one, Cody is great at creating lovely backdrops with Bible verses of your choice on it. So go and have a speak to the chapter Cody, I'm sure she'd be happy to make one for you. Um, or putting up sticky notes in the house. Um, we were recently challenged by the verses in Deuteronomy 6, um, which says, You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house. And on your gates. So we now actually have a wall in our house. If you flick to the next one, it's very hard to see, but we've got a wall in our house that we can draw and scribble verses on to remind ourselves of God's truths. Now, this may be not be the best parenting technique out there, um, teaching a child to draw on a wall. So apologies in advance if the next time we come to your house, Bethanna starts scribbling on your walls. Um, But we are genuinely excited for our children and for us to hear, see, and read these verses. We are in a season of parenting um, a toddler who is just, well, it's been it for a little while, but entered the terrible twos, um, and sometimes this is challenging, and sometimes this does bring out the worst in me and Rosalind. Um, so to look at our lounge wall and to read that God's grace is sufficient for us is such a visible, encouraging, daily <coughs> reminder. Well, how about trying to read the Bible with someone? So me and Rosalind recently did this, and it was great. Um, In my typical Achiever fashion, I was like, right, let's just get through these chapters. Let's read as many chapters as we can together. Um, But rightly so, it um, challenged me to to take it slow, to slow down and to just process what we're reading and ask, what is God speaking to us about this? How can we live differently in light of these verses? And I can genuinely say we finished that time together having delighted in God's words. So if you struggle reading the Bible by yourself, find someone to read it with you. And I know I've overloaded you there with lots of different approaches. um, But maybe challenge yourself. Is there one of those things that you could try this week to engage and meditate more on God's Word? And this is about delighting in God's Word. It's not about reading it out of duty. It's not a tick-box exercise to complete and then go about your day as normal. The times I've approached it like that have have just been been useless. I may have read a chapter or two in a psalm, um, but it's made no difference to how I've lived that day. It'd be much better to reflect on one verse than rushing through a chapter and quickly moving on. The aim is to be refreshed by his word. Like I said, taking off those walking boots and dipping our feet in cold water, being refreshed by his word, to sit in the truth of his word, to strive to live in obedience to his word, to let his promises rest over you. Rick Warren, um, an American pastor and the author of The Purpose Driven Life, sums it up well. He writes, Reading the Bible generates life, it produces change, it heals hurt, it builds character, it transforms circumstances, it imparts joy, it overcomes adversity, it defeats temptation, it infuses hope, it releases power, it cleanses the mind. And let me emphasise as well, we don't learn to delight in the Bible in order for God to delight in us. The wonderful truth is that God already delights in all of us. He delighted in you before you were born. He delights in you whether you read your Bible or not. Nothing you do can make him love you any more or any less. I think getting our heads around that truth should enable us to start moving away from seeing the Bible as reading it as duty and more of delight. So finally, we need to be planted. So we're going to conclude the verses in this psalm from verse 3. It says, That person, so the one who has chosen to delight in God's word rather than follow the wicked, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So here we have a comparison. In verse 1, we read about planting yourself in such a way that leads to ruin. The progression from walking to standing to sitting um, and getting more stuck through bad company. But through meditating on scripture and instruction, you can plant yourself in a way that brings life. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. When we meditate on and live by God's instruction, we begin to taste abundant life for ourselves. And that is why we are called blessed. God's wisdom leads to the good life. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away. So notice the contrast here. One kind of person is like a tree Firmly planted, full of fruits. The other person is like chaff that flakes off and blows away. Now, I'm sure most of you know what a tree looks like. Um, But chaff, that is not something we kind of come across every day. Um, So chaff is uh, the dry, protective casing um, of seeds of cereal grains or other plants similar, like straw. Um, Now, the chaff is separated from the seed by a process of threshing and winnowing. Every day is a school day. um, Which involves crushing the plants and then throwing them in the air to remove that outer shell, the chaff. Is it any clearer? (laughs) Right, so I've got a demonstration that may help. Um, Although I did struggle to source some chaff um, from Amazon or Tesco, so I've had to improvise and I've got some confetti here. And I've got a a hairdryer that's going to represent the gust of wind. So I've got a picture of a tree. So we all know what a tree is like. So this is a sturdy tree um, planted by the river. Its roots go down deep. If I was to turn this hairdryer on on that tree that has now disappeared um, what would happen? Nothing. Nothing much. Exactly. Nothing much. The leaves may rustle a little bit but it is going to stay firm and grounded. But chaff on the other hand, I hope this works. So as you can see chaff is so light and it's gets blown around in every direction, even just by a little bit of wind. Those who diligently try to obey God's will are blessed. They are like that tree planted on the riverbank with strong roots. God promises to watch over them. God's wisdom guides their life. In contrast, those who don't trust and obey God have meaningless lives that blow away like this confetti. Which would you rather be, that tree or this chaff? Now, I was was hoping to demonstrate a primary school experiment with you this morning, Um, but unfortunately it didn't work, so I've had to resort to a photo um, on the next slide. Did you ever do the experiment with celery and food dye when you were little? Um, So left overnight, the celery draws up water from the glass, taking with it the blue food colouring, which changes the appearance of the celery, or at least that's the theory. In practice, it didn't work. Um, The capillaries within the celery become full of the blue dye, as you can see on the right, as it's cut in section. Um, And the tips of the leaves show the evidence of that source, that it is satin. And the same is true for us. If we lay down our roots in him, our living water, come to him for our nourishment, over time we will start to soak up that goodness. And we will begin to bear much fruit Such as described in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This doesn't mean that if you start reading your Bible tomorrow, you'll automatically start oozing patience and love and peace in all circumstances. There have been times that I've got up early to read the Bible and feel great, but within 30 minutes, my patience is gone. I've got irritated. I've maybe said something that I shouldn't have. The more we spend time in God's word, the more we let our roots grow and draw from God, finding sustenance in his word, reflecting on Jesus, slowly we will be transformed more into his likeness. And let's be clear, when this verse says they will prosper in all they do, it does not mean immunity to failure, difficulties or disappointment. Nor does it guarantee health, wealth and happiness. What the Bible means by prosperity is that when we apply God's wisdom the fruit we bear will be good and will receive God's approval. Just as trees soak up water and produce wonderful fruit, we are also to soak up God's word, producing actions and attitudes that honour God. In fact, it is in times of difficulty or times of drought that a trees' roots and what they are drawing from are so heavily relied upon. Again, the same is true for us. The work of growing deep roots often Goes unseen, but the results are evident when hardships come our way. We need to be rooted in God and His Word, have Him as our ultimate source of nourishment so that we can still bear fruit in times of difficulty. So we have to be set apart, we have to delight in the Word, and we have to be planted. But to conclude, I want to draw us back to Jesus our source of life, our living water. Jesus said in John four fourteen, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In all of this, choosing to be set apart in this world, choosing to delight in his word, it all needs to first come from a place of recognising what Jesus has done for us, recognising his sacrifice on the cross, recognising that we all mess up and fall far short of God's holiness. But out of his love for us, Jesus paid it all on the cross so that we are seen as righteous in him. And from that place, seeking him as our spring of water welling up to eternal life.